So I think that the the degree of staginess changes. So of course the national troops, although they're they're beautiful, they are many degrees away, if I can say, from the original source. Not to say they're less good, but I mean the the degrees of like away from the real folklore. And are we? Pre- I mean, are, is our goal to present real, authentic folklore? <laughs> How can we do that? Welcome to Ballad Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including ballet dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. Hello guys, welcome to Ballet Dance Live podcast and a new episode. I'm real thrilled to publish this uh, conversation with beautiful Samantha Bernstein and uh, this is one of those rare episodes that I actually get to record in person. I had a pleasure of visiting Montreal one or two weeks ago and uh, for two days straight we just talked with Samantha non-stop about all kinds of and um, sorts of uh, dance related topics and at some point we just decided okay we need to record and put it on the podcast because the uh, she has really cool insights into this world and her experience is very interesting and one of the fascinating things about her at least to my point was that she actually had a very successful ballet dance career at local dance scene and at some point she decided to fully focus on uh, just folklore styles and right now for a couple years she absolutely stopped doing any ballet dance uh, performances or classes and she's fully focused on just folklore but not just whatever folklore very specific and very unusual folklore of Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, some styles of Iraq, Khaliji, and some other styles. But those are those countries that are not uh, that traditional to be taught in ballet dance class. So we talk a lot about her story of how she got involved into it and how she managed to be an artist fully focused just on folklore styles without uh, keep going in the ballet dance, uh, uh, traditional ballet dance career, <laughs> let's say, uh, steps. And um, uh, you will hear a little bit of fun beginning of the conversation, just because it was a bit weird for us uh, uh, after keep talking for several, uh, like, few days uh, now realize oh now we are recording and it will be published Uh, so you'll hear a a couple of weird laughs in the beginning (laughs) but I hope you'll enjoy the conversation and uh, uh, also just to add about Samantha because I'm really 
fascinated about her input and her uh, expertise in uh, Middle Eastern and North African dances that she studied for the last 20 years. She also has a degree in cultural anthropology and conducts research in dance ethnology and she has contributed to various academic and dance venues and publications. And this is also one of the topics that we talked on the podcast, how to think critically and analyze uh, information uh, is it really true or um, should I maybe question this or research more instead of just blindly following whatever your teacher or guest uh, instructor uh, says to you. So I think this is a really valuable insight. And also she has a troupe which is uh, fully focused just on uh, performing folklore styles of uh, those countries that she is specializing in and they even uh, performed in Dubai at uh, one uh, cultural festival at some point. So I'm really excited for you to listen to the interview but before we dive right into this discussion I want quickly also to thank you. I dig the uh, in to our iTunes um, statistics and analytics a few days ago and I have discovered that we already have quite a few of five-star ratings from you thank you so much and even a couple of uh, reviews very lovely reviews uh, from Noram123 as well as Zed Curry. So thank you so much, uh, our dear listeners. I really appreciate and your feedback and uh, ratings and reviews really help to promote and push uh, this podcast and make it happen. I know a lot of you listen on my website, but I also know that a lot of you listen directly from iTunes and Google Play. So if you are one of those people, please take a few seconds and go to the app and just leave us um, ratings and review whatever you prefer and whatever you feel comfortable doing it and I really love hearing back from you so I just wanted to give a couple of um, seconds to thank you everyone who listens and supports this project it really means a lot to me hearing from you that it helps and inspires you and uh, I will continue putting out awesome content for you a lot of cool uh, topics and uh, guests are coming soon and now without further any further delays uh, let's dive into the interview is Samantha. Uh, welcome to our Belly Dance uh, live podcast show. <laughs> How's it going? Let's start. <laughs> Good. This is exciting. Yeah. I love talking about dance. Yeah, it's... And uh, I think you do too. So. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit weird to, to start because we are like for two days yeah. uh, in uh, Montreal. We already talked with Samantha so about so many topics. So it's like sitting now in uh, her apartment like uh, okay let's do interview (laughs) anyway just to start um do you remember how you got involved in belted dance like do you remember the moment that the idea to go to belted dance class appeared in your mind (laughs) absolutely um well i always danced like since i'm a child but also one of the funny stories it's not the real story, but is that my mom took belly dancing classes right before she got pregnant with me. And she always told me that. But she also did modern dance and I had done modern dance. But she, when I started getting, getting interested in, in, in Arabic dance and she said, oh, that's funny because right before I was pregnant with you, uh, 
I, I was taking belly dance classes in Detroit, which has a huge Arab community. And I always thought, oh, this is your fault, mom. <laughs> but actually, the, I remember the moment that I really got interested to it. And I had seen belly dancers when I was a kid, like we went to some restaurants and stuff like that. And I was like, I was always dancing, but didn't really spark my interest at, you know, at that point. But I was taking a, another dance class in his studio. I was very interested in African dance. I was really intensively studying West African dance. And there was a class right after of like one of a class I was taking at a studio. And I remember thinking, I got to stay and try that class one time. And so a friend of mine, finally, we did it. And it just sort of just took off from there. And then we just never stopped. <laughs> so and it was it was just sort of another way of moving like immediately that was like, oh, I like this and the music and it just clicked, you know, um, as much as I was loving what I was doing in African dance, which was strength and power and this, but this was like strength and power, but also fluidity and the, the melodies. And I just was like, there we go. And I'm still here all these years <laughs> later. <laughs> so I remember it very clearly. It wasn't like a day, but it was very clear uh -huh. period of my life where it was like, yes. It's so yeah. good. Why did you tell that was not real story about your mom's classes? <laughs> what was the deal there? <laughs> well, it's funny because she tells me this story, but it was only sort of after I got interested in it. Like, I don't uh, think it affect. I joke like, oh, this is your fault that I heard when I was, when you got pregnant with me, like somehow I've heard the music and it, but of course, I mean, that's, well, I don't know, maybe that's true, but it was in there somewhere, but. That's, that's okay. Did she ever join you for balladance classes afterwards? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, <laughs> no, that was a short, I think that was a shorter lived period in her, her life. But what's funny is because a lot of the friends I was taking belly dance classes with our mom, our moms were of a certain generation also where it was like sort of, you know, women in the sixties and seventies. And a lot of them had taken belly dance. It was a sort of, I think it was a, an American and Canadian kind of like a sort of a movement of women's like there was a certain discover yourself and a little bit hippie era and a lot of my mom and her friends I discovered a lot of my other friends moms too had taken it and it, I thought wow that's hilarious you know and not, I don't think any became professional but it was um it was like a trend at a certain time I think yeah. it was funny so yeah <laughs> but that would be awesome like if uh uh, well, they say that it sort of influence uh, what music uh, yeah. moms, the future moms listen to. Yeah, so maybe. Me maybe you're one of the examples of yeah. that. <laughs> I joke about that, but yeah. And uh, later moving on, because you are now only specializing in folklore. So how was that transition? <laughs> Because now you don't do belly dance. No, I've stopped that. I fill in the odd class, like teaching a belly dance class. Uh, but I don't perform. I haven't for a few years. And I don't really organize classes of that anymore. Like, I'm not really active in that. But for me, the the getting into the, uh, the more folkloric styles, it, for me, it wasn't so much a transition as coming full circle. Because my original interest after I'd seriously studied modern dance was uh, I'd left modern dance to go into, I, I was sort of searching for other forms of dance that weren't, you know, where there was this connection with the audience that I wasn't finding in more Western mm -hmm. modern dance, what they call that third wall, you know, where they're performing. 
and I had there wasn't that 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 there was a point where I was doing a little bit of flamenco. I did some Indian katak dance, and then I got into West African dance, and so I was already more interested in sort of the. I don't want to say ethnic dance, but dances of from different countries around the world, and not so much this Western art dance. Um, I wanted that connection, so at one point it ended up discovering more, you know, Arabic dance, Egyptian specifically. My first teacher was Egyptian, and um, Denise and Anne in the Ottawa area, Gatineau area, uh, and um, and I think probably at that point there was a branch where. I was really interested in the culture and the earthy sort of folky styles. And she was a folk, my teacher was a former folkloric dancer of the Komeya troupe from Egypt, who's in Canada now. Um, and, um, and then somehow I feel like I got into the more belly dance, like the glitzy glamoury style, which was mm-hmm. never fully my style. Um, and so when I re- got back into other styles of dance, like after, you know, being more in the more glamorous, <laughs> um, blinged out uh, belly dancer world. To me, getting back into my interest of the, I don't want to say the, some of the other cultural styles of other countries around, you know, the Minat region. And also it was more of like a coming home to me. So it wasn't like I, it was like a return to what I was always mm. interested in. Um, so it wasn't like, oh, now this is new. It was like actually coming back, just discovering other regions that I was more interested in uh, and I really wanted to dive into. So for me, it was like a natural uh, full circle, if I want to call it. And um, and also during that whole time, I'd been doing a, a degree in anthropology with my specific focus, what interest was in dance ethnology. So I did a degree in anthropology so I could study dance. And in uh, that time, I'd done different projects on different elements of usually Middle Eastern dance, because that's what my interest was in North African. So to me, coming back to the more folky dances of the people, I will call them, uh, you know, it was just a natural, natural sort of return to what I was interested in, and more diving into the, the, that cultural element. Not that belly dance doesn't have that, but it wasn't, for me, it was never about just the performance and the stage it was always returning back to the culture. So that was, has always been my main interest. Mm. So it just felt like a total natural. And at just some point I just got so obsessed that I left more of the Oriental dance to the side. It just wasn't, there's so much to discover. <laughs> and I don't, so it just was a natural thing for me. It wasn't uh, like a new thing. Mm-hmm. Styles are new. I discovered new styles that I was like, oh my God, I didn't know about this or new regions and I didn't know and I needed to explore for myself. But for me, it's fairly natural. Like it's it's always been what I've done sort of. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. Like it's, uh, But I mean, by transition, I mean, not exactly like discovering something new or anything yeah. like that. I... I was more thinking, like, how you got from ballet dance. Like, you mentioned that your first teacher was Egyptian style, and probably she brought some folklore mm-hmm, yeah. elements to it. Uh, because I find in different countries there are different styles of teaching. Like, uh, for instance, in Ukraine, when I was studying ballet dance, it was literally, like, just one class ballet dance. Like, those beginners, intermediate, advanced. Mm-hmm. That's it. And... If teacher decides that next semester you are teach you are learning Tunisian folklore as your main choreography of the semester, you are doing it no, yeah. unless you're going to switch in studio. 
in Canada, I don't know in those years, but like now, for instance, mm-hmm. I see, and I don't, I think it's in many other countries, they have like uh, Baladin's Technique Level 1, Baladin's Technique Level like 4, 5, 6, mm-hmm. then uh, Technique with Zils, then uh, Folklore, then Class with a Prop. Right. So it's too many choices, and then people usually. They don't go to folklore class. If they come to yeah. ballet dance studio, the general students, they go to ballet dance class or technique or mm-hmm. choreography yeah. or props. Like folklore is usually one of the last choices. They do. Yeah. Not always, but usually. Yeah. So I was more curious how, like, uh, because I know we talked <laughs> just yeah. recently that you were really obsessed with ballet dance at some point. So yeah. if you can tell a little bit about that time of your life. Yeah. And how even being super obsessed and successful as a performer, like you had so many gigs uh, as a ballet dancer, how did it came to the point that now you actually don't do ballet? You're very successful in folklore style, but uh, I think for many dancers, ballet dancers who are obsessed currently with ballet dancers, like, what do you mean to stop doing ballet dance and just do folklore? So how do this interest in folklore uh, grow and why you did like mm-hmm. why wasn't it going together ballet dance and folklore yeah and it did actually so it's not like one day i stopped to, like i'm gonna stop everything belly dance and oriental dance and just do this there was several years where it overlapped you know so um and even when i was a belly dancer i think i think i did i loved classical arabic music you know Uncle Doom and all the abdel halim and all this but uh, I think what people would probably remember me before was my more ballady style, my more side. Like I was definitely more of an earthy dancer. It's just how I've been as a trained as a modern dancer and a West African dancer. I was very earthy. So that was generally natural, natural for me already. But there were many years where it overlapped. So I would start to like, I started doing my research. I was researching things and I was still doing like, you know, gigging at some club on Friday night, like totally belly dance. Um, and I think there were many years where it overlapped. And then I think I started to be drawn to other musics too. You know, you go to a club and you're like, what is this kind of music? Like, you know, these hearing different things and and then needing to know more about it and then learning more about some style that is like, oh my gosh, you know, because sometimes I knew there was all these other things, but like the Egyptian Lebanese belly dance world and especially Egyptian, sometimes we don't get exposed as immediately, depending on who our teachers are and where we are and all these things. You're like, well, this is, this is what it is, you know, but then there's so much more. And so I, I did, I think moving to this city where I'm in now, Montreal, I started to hear other musics too. And it really piqued my curiosity. And I was like, what is this? These rhythms, there was a lot of North African influence that I was like, wow, this is different. I love this. What are these rhythms? So, you know, exploring, going to clubs, I'm like, why are the, my God, this dances, these people are dancing differently. And it was not like Lebanese, which I was used to, for example, because most of the clubs where I'd been in previously. So there was many years where it started to overlap. And I was like, okay, I'm doing my gigs, uh, you know, cabaret, uh, (laughs) belly dance set. And then I, but then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm learning about this. And so there was a lot of years where it overlapped. But then there was a point where, First of all, I didn't want to, like, I was leaving the performance. I didn't want to perform every weekend and all this whole thing about belly dance. And then it just seemed like my own artistic needs were like, I just need to go deeper into these other things. Um, 
and it just it just was like a natural like one sort of started to dominate and then the other just kind of you know and when i sort of stopped oriental dancing more it wasn't like now only, only because i was doing folklore there's other reasons also because it's always you know was like taking up my whole weekends uh every you know performing after 15 years of performing you know a lot of weekends out of your life and I had no life and there's a lot of reasons that I slowed down on it and then it just so then I started the troupe um of a folklore troupe to really company troupe to start to really be able to dedicate myself to it and then I just like I just was like obsessed and the oriental dance like as I was it just sort of took up less space and and I personally was less inspired by what I was seeing too around me and the mm. that's you know without my own critique of what I was seeing, like ha- going on in the belly dance was less inspiring to me personally as an artist. So uh, just, it just like, I just went in the direction and I never looked back, but it's not like I would never do Oriental dance again. I, I'm not so interested in performing for myself, but you know, I just, I do love the music and I love the mm-hmm. way it makes my body feel, but, but yeah, it was just this natural kind of, um, I'd say it's more of an artistic, you know, journey than like a choice I made. Mm-hmm. Um, to do one over the other because you can do both you can definitely do both and there are many years I did both like I do a belly dance gig and then you'd be like okay I'm going to include this or you know or or uh, having contracts where you offer you're able to offer different things and it's just more of a choice to not to really focus on one yeah but also one fascinating thing is that you also transitions mainly in the folklore styles that are not typically taught in ballad and school <laughs> yeah like we're not talking here about like egyptian folklore right like right. we are talking about moroccan algerian iraqi yeah can you add tunisian <laughs> a lot of khaliji those are my main styles and a lot of other exploring taking classes in mm-hmm. i would take whatever i could find you know uh I was in a church basement with a Debki troupe. I'm taking a class of some Turkish thing that I, I like, I was just like, I got to discover everything. Yeah. I mean, I specialize, but so those aren't my specialties, but um, there's so much to know, you know. And you also put the whole troupe yeah. just about those yeah. styles, based on those styles, folklore, like yeah. not ballad and troupe, which was uh, also commercially successful because mm-hmm. like you have requests and gigs, but do you think the your interest in those specific styles, or maybe how fast you found those styles, was it anything influenced by uh, the place that you live now, by Montreal, or was it started regardless somewhere before you moved in? I think it's both, actually. You know, I mean, I think it's a lot of things. Maybe it's a little bit of destiny that I ended up here too. Well, ended up. It's it's not that far of a leap from where I was before only two hours away but um there was i think there's a combination because i had been studying west african dance and i loved it you know and i had also been studying belly dance at that time so i was studying these two dances a very arabic kind of egyptian belly dance and west african dance and i went to Af- uh, west africa a few times and ended up going to morocco through that time and there was this point, and being in 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 West Africa, all the countries I were in were um, more based in Muslim traditions, and so hearing this, and and having the cultures of 
of mix, not mixed cultures, but they were heavily dominated by the Arabic influence of Islam and stuff. And I was like, whoa, there's places where these things like kind of cross over, you know? Mm-hmm. And it piqued my interest. Like, I was like, whoa, these musics are, you know, we want to put things in boxes like this is this and this, but it's not quite geography and cultures didn't, they don't stay like that. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And that piqued my interest. And then I ended up after that moving to Montreal, where I sort of stumbled into this large population of North African people. And I was like, this is like what, like these rhythms just called to me, this mixture of um, what I loved about the African nature of, I mean, I'm generalizing about African music, but there's like an essence to it mixed with the northern african stuff which is can be berber can be arab can be the tonality of singing and i was like this is this is everything i've been looking for (laughs) so um it really drew me in but then so it's a little bit of destiny a little bit of all of it together you know like i mean i had gone into flamenco it didn't speak to you know Mm -hmm. how we choose our artistic paths it's just it seemed natural for me to go into this these these styles. So most of the folkloric regions I've been most interested in are have uh, African roots to them, which is uh, the Gulf, like Khaliji too, has African. I feel very connected to that part of it, which is maybe some styles I love, but I less connect to them just personally. But um, that's just been my Canadian girl here who's been like <laughs> obsessed with African some. music since I'm like 16 or even younger. Um, but I don't know. It's what it is. So I connected to that part, but it's, um, yeah, it may be still a bit of destiny. Who knows how these artistic, you know, you looking back, I can see that now, but I didn't see the pieces. Uh, they say you can connect dots on the looking back. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it makes sense yeah, and it feels it natural. It doesn't feel like I chose them. It feels like that's where the, mm-hmm. you know, life took me and it was a natural thing, you know. And how did your learning uh, journey continue? Uh, because we, you mentioned that first you start Middle Eastern and like North yeah. African folklore with Egyptian, which is very typical for ballet yeah. dancer. But uh, then, like now, you're more into specializing more in like Moroccan and Berber and Tunisian. How was your learning process? Like, did you literally got some teacher who inspired you or you got it from music i mm-hmm. i keep hearing you talking again and again about music so it kind of gives yeah. me an idea that it's main your inspiration and yeah inspiration to keep learning and discovering but because it's not a style that that's that easy to go and learn somewhere no. and especially it's very confusing what is true information and what is not true information uh what you find on the internet or mm-hmm. someone told you like is it really the thing or are they just making it yeah. for you or someone put random thing on the internet and just called it Moroccan dance? Yeah, and uh, to start with the music, for me, all like, I mean, I've been dancing since I'm a kid and it was always about the music, you know, like that's what draw, drew me in the most. There's lots of great musics in the world too, but, you know, some just speak to you like in a way that is just, if I don't love the music... I can't, you know, I just can't. That's the that's my gateway mm-hmm. to it. It's not the costumes. It's not the stage, it's not performing, it's the music. Like that's, you know. So that's that's the big thing for me, but um the learning 
is difficult because there are f- so most of my learning like it happened a little bit by accident so most of my learning in these styles was not through the dance world like mm. belly dance school or classes i had the odd workshop you know some teacher would be visiting who knew about something some folkloric style but it happened by ac- a little bit by accident um and I'd say 95% of all my teachers that I, and I'd say teachers in the sense of anybody who taught me, um, were not from the Oriental dance community. They were, so like the first experience was like a friend who said, oh, I have a, I'm dancing in this troupe, like, you know, this Quebecois girl. And she said, oh, it's an Algerian troupe. Do you, do you want to join? And I was like, okay, like, I don't really know what that's about, you know, and it's like me and her and a bunch of, you know, everybody else is Algerian. And then that happened to me twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another group, which was just Berber Algerian. And these people were not in the dancey world. Like they were just dancing within the communities. Um, they weren't in the belly dance school. And through that, there were other teachers that appeared. Like people who were former artists, for example, who now live here, you know, uh, one guy who led that first troupe was a former folkloric dancer of a certain Algerian style in his region. So, okay, you know, but they're not people anybody would ever know, like, mm-hmm. uh, because in the dance world, there's very, very few teachers of these styles. Thank God there's a few more now, but even then, it's so limited. And if you don't happen to be in those places, it's hard to, you know, um, really study. So most of it's been through that, like, learning and it is hard to know. You have to do a lot of research. That's the anthropology part coming in, the research part. How, by the way, can you give dancers some tips on how to, like, filter information? Yeah. Like, how to, what what to do, I don't know, what questions <clears throat> to ask in your mind, like, to yeah. sort of, like, get a tip, like, is this information what I see or hear? Yeah. Is it really true or not? Like, any any tips on how to because yeah. it's very difficult for it's people especially difficult. not used to analyzing yeah. or not having like any anthropology background yeah. like okay how do I know I like this teacher I like how she dance she yeah. comes to my city gives me workshops and yeah. everyone else if she says this I believe her so yeah. how to sort of filter and yeah. not going into criticizing teacher because that's a different topic but how to yeah to filter the yeah. information it's hard it's definitely hard but one thing i think this helped me and it's it has to do with school but like when we we're in university uh when you read an article for example or a book they tell you you should always be thinking critically of like who is writing this for who for what audience are they writing it are they being fun you know what's their background what's their goal what's their you're, you're sort of not just taking what they wrote, you're talking about who are, you know, all these questions about why did they write this book? Why, who is it, you know? And so, and it's hard because when you don't have a lot of teachers to compare to, you're just watching videos or you're trying to learn, it's hard. And it's not to judge the artist or the person, but to know their background, like, it's a difficult thing. And uh, to talk about artists, let alone people, like, not every... 
I don't, if you ask me questions about the cultural densities of my background, I probably couldn't tell you like that much. So it's not like I'm a representative, but if we talk or, you know, anybody else from any culture, if they're artists, they've maybe studied it or worked in it a little bit. Well, maybe they have different answers, but what's their background? Um, for example, I had a chance to work with three Algerian troops. Okay. One was, like I said, a former dancer. Um, but he was a male. So of course he's teaching us these female styles. So it's already, you're like, okay, what is, what's going on here? And that's fine. And, uh, there's so many styles in that country. Not all of them are his real, like he knows he didn't grow up with all of them, even though maybe they're from his country, but Algeria is the biggest country in Africa. Like you can't know all the styles and some styles are very unique to one region. So Okay, so I'm, you know, that's fine. I didn't know. And the second troupe I was in with, strictly Berber. So two sisters uh, who were Kabyle from the Kabyle region. Um, so they only did styles they knew. But they also did a bit of fusion because they were young and they wanted to make it look cool. And they said that. So I was like, okay, I can't, what they're doing, for example, this and such, such and such movement, I could tell that, how could I tell though, that, you know, that the, these arms were a little bit modern, you know, like, so you kind of had to place it, you know, but that, how do you know? I didn't know until later when I was like, oh, that what they were doing is a little bit fusion, you know, but it's also sometimes looking back. The third troupe I danced with was with uh, former dancers of the National uh, Algerian Ballet, they call it. So the state troupe mm -hmm. uh, who now live in Montreal. So they were teaching us dances and they were all, like classically trained dancers. So their style, I knew these styles. Now I had to add experience and I knew styles. First of all, they were their styles were so classically, it was sort of like, a, not Reda troop style, but you know, like the carriage of their posture and the way they, it was very different than the people I, the women I'd seen dancing, you know, from the those same styles. And I was like, whoa, but their their posture was very different. It was very choreographed. It wasn't a natural dance. They'd all learned it. So these were people who'd come from all over Algeria who'd be classically trained in the city. So their background, obviously, I, but by that time I could sort of compare and it's hard when you don't have a lot of teachers to compare, mm -hmm. which is where videos help too. So are they in a national troop? Well, then that's one thing. That's a background. If they're teaching you, they're teaching you from their background as a national troop uh, member who learned, they most likely have ballet like experience in it or uh, structure or is it are you going to a party like in some cultural festival and you're watching women dance or men to who are untrained like what are people's intentions on and what they're what you're watching or seeing or they're teaching you there's no judgment it's all good and it's all correct ish <laughs> but they're only Marks. teaching you what they know right so and that's fine like i mean i can tell you something about you know something but that's that would be from my perspective but so you kind of have to filter it and not and not I don't mean not take anybody's word for cash because you can't be like oh is that true but you go okay that's this person's perspective and sometimes we don't have a lot of comparison but even with like video like youtube's such a great resource you can watch and if possible, read the comments. And if possible, go, okay, this looks like a wedding. This looks like a troop. Or is this in a village? Or is this like, what is the context that's going on? Um, try and like, 
not just look at the moves they're doing, but like the, you know, is this a stage form formed version of this dance? Does this look like a wedding party? Is this, do these look like professional dancers? Like we can't always read the comments. If you can, you can learn a lot what mm. people are saying about them. It's, that's usually where we fail because we can't always read the comments, but I think it's just really like, and it's all cor- a, a correct in a sense, unless it's, it's false, like totally false information, but to sort of place it in a, if you can, if that makes any sense, it's really difficult though. And usually it's only with experience, right? Because if we don't have a ton of teachers in the community, so you're having in the dance community. So if you take one workshop and you never get another in that style, then you're likely to think that's exactly what it is. Like, because you don't know. And it's normal. It's not, it's, that's, that's difficult. Um, that can be difficult. It's, I think it's just a lot of experience and watching. Like if you've seen 30 videos on YouTube of this style of dance and they all do these arms and then you see one and they're doing some sort of like fusion the arms things, they might be the one that you just have to kind of also pick out what is really, really common. There's certain things like patterns and I mean, that's a generalization, but sometimes you can pick up things like, okay, this look, you know what I mean? Like... But also on this note, I just want to add, like, it's really cool to analyze the patterns, but also analyze which performances you're watching for, you're looking at, because there can be mistakes repeated as patterns if you're talking about stage performances by dancers who are not part of that culture. So if you're yeah. watching the videos from, like, I don't know, village or we- local wedding that is part yeah. of this culture and there are repeated patterns, I, like, that's absolutely amazing way of learning and sort of filtering, oh, probably that's part mm-hmm. of the dance. But there, we know there are so many misconceptions. Yeah. So my other questions, uh, still being active in ballet dance world, not as a ballet dancer, but being a part of it mm-hmm. and in like looking at the scene which most common misconceptions from ballet dancers you see regarding any folklore or some folklore that you are more specialized whichever you want to like highlight <laughs> one or two which you see uh, repeatedly the most common mistakes or changes or misconceptions mm. in the dancers ballet dancers interpretations of certain folklore styles. No, that's that. Do I dare? Do I dare? <laughs> I mean, from your point of view, from yeah. your knowledge, like we are not. Yeah. Again, we we talk about thinking critically, so don't yeah. even take our words. <laughs> and and of course, this is again like, even me as a speaker or as if I teach, like yeah, don't. This is I'm speaking from my experience. Um, one of the things, just returning to the idea of the videos, is yes, or the teacher, like obviously. I mean, to say obviously, but maybe not like to watch as many original videos or performances, if possible, live or teachers of the source is the beginning. That's the beginning. Then after, if you watch dancers from wherever else, any other country, you will see where they've made adaptations. Because if you get familiar with the original style in all its versions, whether it's, you know, balladi or Redda style, whatever, you'll see, and then you can judge. Um which is sometimes a little harder to do research in, mm-hmm. especially certain styles. It depends when we, but go like as much as possible, go to the source to begin with and always to go back to that's the live if you can, or if not on video. And it's, it's hard because language and 
cultural things about videos. It's not always easy, but that's definitely a big source uh, as for any style of dance in the world. I mean, that's just, that, that seems like, that seems like a given, but I think it's not actually Um, the misconceptions. Oh gosh. I don't, I wouldn't call it a misconception, but I, I don't, I think that, so in the regions I'm more interested in and have more experience in, is that the belly dance world, the dancer world, is very fascinated by certain styles. Things that are wild. Things where women are like raw, wild, or have a certain attitude, which are, let, let me name some, uh, Iraqi. But Iraqi, this kaulia hair, which is one thing. Uh, if we talk about North Africa, I think dancers who don't know much, you know, if you know anything, the only ones you might have heard of are either um, the, the Shehat from Morocco, who also have this raw, wild energy, you know, hair rolling, uh, can somersaults and all sorts of stuff. Um, and the dancers who verge on stories of... I don't know what the word would be, like the Uled Nile, who have this legend around them about prostitution, and but they were in control. This whole legend that is not is true and untrue, but dancers love that. Mm. So, but which is slightly a shame because there's all these magical styles that are not fascinating to the dancer world, mm. but are sublime styles. But they won't catch the attention because they're not. They don't have that some story around them of this something which to the people of those countries is what they're actually dancing. Women in Morocco are not dancing shihat. They're dancing other styles, many other styles. Women in Algeria don't dance like the Uled Nile. They might be dancing Nile style, but they're they're so like, so it's sort of this disconnect, which is, you know, in Iraq, I mean, there's this whole thing about the, that one style that has become so popular, which, Iraqi people can be very, some like it, some don't. So it's like this whole thing, but dancers, it's like, that's it. And then we call it Iraqi style. Or um, I've done that too, because you're trying to talk to people who don't know a Moroccan dance, but it's shihat. Mm-hmm. People love shihat, they hate shihat. They, it's, so it's just a shame that we, that we, not we, that some people, like it gets focused on those ones get attention and others get no attention, but they are, ah. Oh, they're real, like really deep in the folklore, but they don't get the attention from dancers. Mm. They're not so stage appreciated or... Do you think ballet dance absorbs and welcomes more easily styles that can be easily transformed into a show? Definitely. And there are styles, I'm granted, some folklore styles where like, uh, the, you know, they're repetitive and... And I'm, and yeah, I really liked your story that you recently mentioned. Why you are so resistant to put your troupe in a competition yeah. folklore, and what you was idea, yeah. which style to choose? <laughs> Can you tell that? Well, because <laughs> first of all, like yeah, that's interesting because many of the styles we were working in is mostly North African, some other styles which are not these highly polished styles. Um. We don't want to make our arms exactly all like the same 
angle and our, you know, there's an organicness to us and we, we dance mostly for people within those communities here in Montreal um, or elsewhere. And um, we don't need to polish it in the way that we would need to polish it and adapt it for a competition, which I, and then to be judged on it because our, you know, our angle of our, something's off or that it would seem like a critic criticism that I would, is irrelevant to me. Whereas we go and perform for, I don't know, some event and, and the Moroccan people, like I'd say for Moroccan, I wouldn't want to, they're like, it's, it's going well. And they're not saying, Oh, but you know, your foot, like, so it's, yes, we try our best to do all our good work, but I don't think that the evaluation is the same. And so, mm -hmm. and one is relevant to me and the other, I don't want to have to do those adaptations and to make it like, Oh, well, we better throw in some hair. Cause that will make us get us points. Like when it's, is it the style or choose styles that are like, yeah. And the judges don't always know how to judge it either. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Like I was mentioning, it's fun to have folklore, but if you don't have judges in a competition, but if you don't have judges who have any clue, like I was mentioning certain local competitions where some of the dancers did styles that like, and judges response was, I don't know this style, mm -hmm. so I can't judge it. But then what, like, what are you doing judging? Like, What's the point? Like, so it's frustrating. So if you're doing not like Saidi or maybe uh, some of the more common styles that, yeah, we expect that. Then, you know, and then to be judged on things that aren't really relevant. So I was saying, oh, yeah, we should do a number that's so folkloric where, you know, you just stand in a line and just like do this little shoulder movement. and Because that's the dance. But it would be like so not a you know it's not impressive it's not uh it isn't the goal it's not stage fantastic it's just very you know like most a lot of very folkloric dances are based around community and uh, moments of celebration or different markings of life passages or or different uh, elements of cultural societal life for those people they're not they're not meant to be necessarily presented um they can be very repetitive based on certain things that me we might not see the codes or relevance mm -hmm. so um so to present something so like on the opposite end <laughs> and then like okay judge us go ahead judges uh, that's just being kind of like my rebellious side to be like come on but you know that obviously that's not that's not interesting but it's just sort of like it's a hard thing to have that category in a competition. It doesn't interest me in the least. Even belly dance for me is less interesting in a competition, but I can understand the, why people would do it. But the folklore category, it's really hard. It's really difficult. Do you think once dance is put on stage, uh, can it be truly be called folklore? Oh, good, oh. good question, Sienna. <laughs> I, I could ask all of you all these same questions and get your answers. <laughs> well, we are interested in your opinion in this yeah. episode. <laughs> uh. Yes, because I also think there's many levels to the stage. So I was very much inspired by uh, uh, Sarah Saida or Sarah Kent, uh, mm -hmm. whichever name she prefers to go by now, with her Journey Through Egypt program. Um, and how she broke it down, love her, as an anthropologist, as a dancer, she's 
like number one. And anybody who should can take that, any of her classes should take it. So how she broke it down from very like village to like, you know, even even local communities, village people, village people, that sounds wrong, but like um, have at some point there are people who are better musicians or better performers and, you know, yes, they're community dances, but sometimes there are very local troops that happen and then, you know, and then maybe more regional troops, troops and all the the levels of stageification, if I can say that, up until national troops who are touring the world with their different intentions to present their dances to, um, you know, a world audience. So I think that the 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 degree of staginess is difficult. I, I mean, it, it changes. So of course, the national troops, although they're they're beautiful, they are many degrees away, if I can say, from the original source. Not to say they're less good, but yeah, I mean, the the degrees of like away from the real folklore, and are we? Pre- I mean, are is our goal to present real, authentic folklore? <laughs> How can we do that? I mean, can I, I? I don't. I'm not sure I can do that. I'm this Canadian woman. Like, who, who am I to present this authentic? It's totally out of context already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm not naming any specific styles, but like, how can we present a true, authentic? What does that mean? That's a word. But so, is that my goal? How far do I want to be from authentic? How? What choices am I making? How many degrees away from, like, I guess those are choices to make, you know, like, what music are you using? What kind of, what's your goal in this? Are you in a, like, this is an interesting thing. I went, we performed in Dubai with my group um, uh, five, a few years ago. And um, they had pavilions from all over the the world, these different cultural pavilions, uh, mostly from the Middle East, um, North Africa, but some others. And a lot of them had folk folkloric presentations so you had troops that were i say it was on stage i mean a stage a, a platform raised above people so it was like a stage it wasn't like a you know a national theater stage and some of the troops i say that with my you know little quotation marks like there was a troop from yemen and i mean they did like every group had like 20 minutes so their thing was like ex- i mean it was not stageified, let's call it. I mean, they had like some musicians and they did like this repetitive thing, you know, no sort of, I don't know how stageified it was because I'm not that familiar with Yemeni dance, but there was no, there was not a lot of variation. There wasn't like a big choreography. They didn't sort of express much. It seemed very much like a very traditional kind of dance. Then you had groups like different degrees. Then you had like, like the Lebanese Dabkijup, which is much more choreographed and theatrical and stageified, and that was ready for stage. Then you had some other Debki groups, like a Palestinian group that was way more earthy, kind of. It was stageified, but the Lebanese one was extremely theatrical, for example. They were both doing Debki, but very different degrees of. And then you had the, the Egyptian group who was, you know, basing it themselves on what's happening in Egypt. So very choreographed. And and then you had some other groups, like a Saudi group. It was, it was like a hot, I mean, I don't want to say a hot mess, but it was totally chaotic. It wasn't <laughs> organized. It was just like, okay, guys, you have to do this on stage. It was not so, they were all folklore, you know, mm-hmm. and all valid, just very different experiences of like 
what the folklore is. Well, but I mean, that's based on all sorts of factors, like of the countries. You know, Egypt has a lot, a big history and examples of these two state national companies. You know, Debki is very yeah. much performed. I don't know what's happening in Yemen. I'm not that familiar, but it didn't seem like they had a lot of, you know, um, uh, the other groups were not, there was not like a very much of a stageified thing. I loved it. It was super traditional. The local Emirati group was, looked like they had organized it enough to perform in local cultural events, you know, which is one more real than the other. I don't know, like, I'm not sure, you know, like, is that a, I mean, some looked more traditional, some looked clearly stageified, and the costumes were more, like, sparkly, and... I guess I should have formed my question differently, not that if folklore can be truly called folklore, what's in the stage, but if folklore can be called authentic, yeah. truly authentic, if it's put on stage, uh, so yeah. I probably worded it a slightly different, but that's exactly what you just said yeah. like it, it it's very difficult to put any folklore without any polishing any changes on stage mm -hmm. and make it not lose its essence yeah and also make people actually watch the full performance with enthusiasm because I find a lot of folklore styles, of course, like not all possibly folklore styles around the world, but a lot of folklore styles, they are based on the moment of some emotions expressed via dance, usually some celebrations and happiness. Mm -hmm. And there is no clear separation between performer and audience. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is a part of performance. Everyone is a part of audience yeah. at the same time then it's truly folklore but once we put it on stage we do the separation yeah. and then we do need to do some changes just naturally to make it yeah. work because it's not improvisation not like i feel joy in a moment and mm -hmm. i'm on stage i may be sad by whatever reason happened like five minutes ago i had to go on stage but i have to go and dance so it's not authentic in terms like of my expression of emotions that usually comes in folklore dance, like it's yeah. in the moment. But then there is a line to which extent we can change it. So it yeah. still stays folklore and it transforms into something else, like our fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I think where the 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 talent or the experience comes or the knowledge to know which choices are to make. I mean, if you're making a dance to present, for like you said, you have to make some choices. Like, but which choices work, and which take it too far away from its essence or something? You know, whether it's costuming, choreography, music. Um, um, the that's the I think that's the the key element. Like, it's not that you can't do something modern. Or innovative, or um, new, you know, like or on a big stage, but how to make those choices? That's, I mean, I think there's some things we we see sometimes where we go, okay, that 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 decision maybe was either was made out of a wrong, like we all make not always the right decision. Sometimes you do it by experience. You go, okay, we that move is really take like it's not 
it's not working, you know, or mm-hmm. or out of ignorance to think, well, we'll just do a add in a turn here. Uh, that's not always we can't just plop in like this this filler of like adding in stuff. It, it that's a, that's a dangerous line, I guess. That's a real that's that's hard. I I think that's the hardest part, like um, to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't always know. I personally like as a as I was talking, I used to do the modern dance and I, I got tired of that third wall, like you say that. And, and the more like traditional folklores are there is no set. There's very little separation of, you know, uh, it's community, it's kids, it's grandma, it's the musicians sitting right there or whatever. I mean, generally speaking, and then some are like a little more presented, you know, by certain groups of musicians who are, you know, a little more talented or whatever. But um, I know for myself, in my own experience, like as in Oriental dance or folklore, like the bigger the stage and the higher the stage away from the people, the less I'm comfortable and the less it works. Because it's not about the visual, like of just like, taking space or doing lot like the styles are meant to be closer to people so um it usually goes much worse like on a bigger stage where you know like a more theatrical stage like i don't enjoy that as much i've done it but i love for example um like a you know low-rise stage like in a folk festival where you may be at small stage but you're very close to the people or you're somehow in a that works much much better that's been my experience and I'm, that's my taste, mm-hmm. you know, um, because they're not meant to be just visual pictures. You, The more I lose that connection with the people and whether or not there are people like who are understanding the dance informed or just whoever, like non-informed people, it always goes better the closer we are to the people. Mm-hmm. And also in a group, it's much better. Solo, taking some of the styles into solo styles is always like a little bit not always but it depends on the style but generally if we're talking about community dances that are generally based in community or identity and you're dancing in a group it's it's generally gonna feel more of that feeling even if you know you're not of that culture but like you're just gonna hopefully grab that feeling rather than being a solo dancer that's hard <laughs> that's like you're you're just like far out of context so for me that's been my experience i don't enjoy those shows near as much because people are just watching they're not yeah there's not that engagement of um you know uh, energy and it, it's it's not necessarily about how it's supposed to be looking you know the visual like picture of the exterior it's yeah mm. so that, i guess that maybe i mean the folklore is from the folk from the people so the farther you get away from the people, whoever those people are, yeah, then I guess you're losing a little bit of it. Maybe it's it's a question. It's not a declaration of truth, <laughs> but the more you get away from the that that the essence of the people, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those like topics that yeah. I don't know if we can find the truth here. It's more no. just about sharing experiences and just keep discussion yeah. and critical thinking about these things yeah because uh, coming back like a full circle to what we were talking in the beginning like in Baladin's world it's often 
what becomes popular as a folklore is those stars that can be easily transformed into the show. Yeah. But then the question is like, but is it still a folklore if it so much got transformed into the show? And it's like, yes and no at the same time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think in the West, like, there's a judgment that somehow what is on stage is more... That's art. Mm-hmm. And what's from the people is like, oh, that's not art with a capital A. Like, it's that's folky. I do think there's a value judgment placed on that. Maybe less today. And I think that's across all arts. Like, you know, uh, generally speaking, like craft is not as valued as what's hanging in a museum. This idea of what's high art and what we call lower art. And I mean, that's... I. I I I faced that a lot throughout my artistic (laughs) journey as a dancer and also as a person working with my hands in visual and craft art. Um, Why why are some people artisans, craftspeople rather than artists? You know, this idea of like, there is a judgment call, I think, that, that gets placed on dances that are originally not in that system of ju- like that mm. you know like we're placing a judgment on things that uh, i see that a little bit for example with the persian dance that class this classical more elegant somehow oh that's that's lovely whereas the, and i'm not so familiar with the persian dance as you are but or for example that's that's lovely that's elegant that's stagey that can represent the yeah country. <laughs> whereas you know there's lots of other dances that are far more earthy and less Less, uh, <laughs> Resp- uh it seems like it yeah. gets a higher status. For example, that style, or um, I don't know. Like there yeah, could be other even examples. Had like the discussion about uh, all, literally, like there is a book <laughs> right yeah, yeah. The <laughs> about like um, uh, national troops of different countries and how even yeah. in every country, either it's. Egypt or Mexico or Russia, they still choose rich folk dances yeah. to include in their repertoire Yeah, to give a certain yeah. representation. But also coming back just to what you were saying, I also got the idea that in ballet dance world or in the dance world, we are on, we like to judge also and like give mm-hmm. assumptions and like our, um, what is wrong and what is not wrong. And, uh, like one way of discussion is like, oh, this is too much. Like, mm. uh, uh, it should be this done way or, or, or another that way. But also, I got we also very often go in opposite direction in criticizing changes too much. Yeah. And this is overgeneralizing, but even I'm guilty. I'm like of that thinking sometimes because one of the examples, like, it comes more on the discussion of ballet dance on my mind right now, but. I think you can add something mm. similar probably from folkloric styles, but one of the discussions like, oh, ballet dance should not be done with the props, this crazy, f- like, I don't yeah. know, flag, spoil, wings. It's it's not a part of authentic ballet dance. But then you go in Lebanese club and Lebanese or Arab people, they love seeing mm-hmm. those shows. Like, if you uh, go, like, to any restaurant in Dubai, dancers, they're not dancing just um or like things no yeah. they're actually creating a show and for local people who are part of that mm. culture that they are presenting in their dance but then 
as dancers, as like belly dancers, I kind of feel there is a lot of distance between what's we perceive as a ballet dance or mm. dance world in general, what's supposed to happen and not happen, and what's actually happening in real world where ballet dance is a part of day-to-day culture for people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's this thing like, well, can it be authentic? But if it's not... Yeah, how can I explain it? I, I understand what you mean. We will judge if it's too far like but maybe that's our own judgment like i agree because and some people we want to put things in categories um we love that you know like Mm -hmm. so this is belly dance and this is folklore and this is but it's not like people you were talking about that a little bit earlier in the workshops and i was thinking about another dancer we were talking about uh when recently and you know how people sometimes uh, as a as a an artist or an entertainer, the style, you know, and and how people in the communities are dancing, it's not like they're not separate categories necessarily. Like people might do a a mix because that's what's popular. Like, um, so another artist drew this attention to my attention uh, more recently, and you know, it made me think more like uh, about. Uh, Moroccan dance and how okay well Moroccan dance and that's Moroccan dance already is like a word there's so many kinds but is not oriental dance but it doesn't mean that Moroccan people don't do oriental dance and that you go to a party and people aren't dancing a little bit of both or maybe from this region or you know it's it's not like set yet they're not the same but they're not separate the culture is you know so there's a dancer right now um her name's Maya she's very popular and she does a combination and it works and she's like really popular and she's getting asked to do all these shows within the communities all over Morocco, France. Uh, she came to Canada recently. People love her and she does it. But if, if I did that, I would probably get blasted, right? Because, well, you can't mix it and, and no, this is this and this is this. I would likely get blasted. But she's doing it because that's her, her, um, that's what she does. And people aren't like, oh my God, like people grew up with all those musics okay, you can choose to like one more than the other or whatever, but they're not, they're not the same, but they're not separate either. They're not like, or um, that's an example. But yeah, we can judge it like, well, that if, if a dancer did that in the dance community, it would probably get like ripped apart, you know, for not knowing what they were doing. But maybe that's what exactly what they were doing. We don't know. But like, I'm not sure if that's the best example, but I'm trying to, I, I get what you mean because it's like, this trying to be are we trying to be really authentic but then are we if you like we can also be judged for being too judgy <laughs> like like you know or you get a clip of a video like of somebody doing something that was in the moment very appropriate for that moment but like oh my god that can't be done yeah, and all this taken so. out of context it can yeah. be not not appropriate you yeah. know and and it's and we have these rules. What is the Iraqi dancer supposed to be wearing? They wear all sorts of stuff. Like Melain wears belly dance costumes. She also wears dresses. She also, we see other videos and they're wearing this. And, but yet it's just like, there's a lot of judgment of what is true. It's not true. And again, we should probably not want to be categorizing everything and judging and always referring back to the culture. And I know it's hard because we don't always have the references, but, um, it's not quite so clear, like, mm-hmm. and are there these rules? 
okay, me as a Canadian, like I'm a Canadian, like North American, you know, I'm going to be careful about what I present to a, an event because that's my job. I have a job to be professional as myself as an artist. I have a responsibility if I'm presenting a cultural dance to do my best. I'm not going to start doing like whatever I want, mm-hmm. whenever I want. There's times for that. There's times for representing as best I can the culture that I've had the gift to be learning about. I have a job to do for that. So I feel a big responsibility. Are there adaptations? Yeah. Are there times where it's more than others? Yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you do your best. And there's times maybe you go further. I guess it really depends on context. But we are definitely... We're good at judging, I'd say, but uh, yeah, it's, it's that's a complicated topic without getting in big trouble from somebody. Wow, uh, it's a topic to inspire people to think. <laughs> yeah, and the both think critically if what you receive and think is true statement, and as well, if you don't agree and don't judge, are you really sure you know what you're talking about? And like, what's the context? And like, do you have enough supporting material or enough knowledge or enough experience or enough expertise in general, or even the even the right to like put any judgment? Yeah, I mean, it depends really on subject. Of course, there are some situations that it's definitely like uh, this is definitely out of any borders. Yeah, but at the same time, like almost any topic can be discussed both ways I think yeah yeah yeah. I I think I do know like and I I agree like there's there's a it's not black and white I can only speak for me like so what I would do because I'm not I'm a guest uh, I guess maybe a guest wouldn't be the word I've had the fortune to be to have been able to learn about certain dances from people that generously shared and be invited into events. And I do feel I have to do the best I can to respect that. Um, It's not like mine to, I I feel I have a little bit of a, you know, I have a finer line to walk on. Then uh, if somebody wants to express their own culture in their own way, then that's their thing. And that's, it's not, I, I, I want to be, I do want to be as respectful as I can, you know, and it doesn't mean I can't be creative and artistic and make adaptations, but so there, there, I do feel like that's my place. It's not my place to necessarily be the innovations or any creativity I want to, I do, it depends on the context also. Um, it, it also depends, like if you're a dancer, let's say, who you, who's your I mean not who is your audience <laughs> I don't mean you can do anything if nobody knows you should do whatever you want If, but like my experience has been dancing for people of the community so there's different levels of adaptations that are going to go on with that then I'm not but it's not because there's nobody in my audience that doesn't know about this style that like oh I'll just do that and they won't know that's kind of lazy and sometimes we don't we do something not out of Laziness is probably not the best reason or not knowing. Um, You know, we have access to research on certain levels. So 
there's some things we can't know about without experience, but there's some things that it can be corrected mm-hmm. with easy research. So that's a bit lazy um, um, and everything, but you know, I don't want to like, I've, we've all done it. It's not like I'm, I'm some uh, like saint that's never, you know, winged it before, but um, it depends. Like if when I performed with my troupe in a cultural festival, we're asked to be doing a cultural representation. So that's a, that's a context. If you're in a party, a wedding party, and it's a mixed event, and there's they're asking you for mixes, that's probably a place where people are celebrating. It's maybe a different kind of context than, or a private engagement that's like, yeah, I mean, there's a time and place for everything to also to be cre- more or less creative. I think, you know, but this is people's culture, and I would want somebody to treat my culture with that the same respect that, so I, that I, you know, it's just a natural thing, but. And uh, it's not about this thing about cultural appropriation. It's not this thing, but it's just knowing what what are you doing, like you know, and the the power you have when you are doing that. Like that's that's a big job. I, I take it seriously, and I I hope that that comes across. But <laughs> it's not that you can't do anything creative. It's it's a big topic though. But I mean, I'm sure you know if you are invited to an event uh, within the Persian community, and they 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 want they want this. You know which times you can maybe play with it or not, and you feel it. It's not all about you as a performer. Yes, it's about you, but it's about that moment. You know, there's it's a bigger picture. It's not just about me, Samantha, or you, Yana, or there's a moment, and you're part of it, and you're the master of ceremonies for that <laughs> moment. Those, you know, but you're kind of orchestrating it. But I, I think we have to think bigger than you know. That's my opinion, but um, it's well, a big topic. <laughs> I love how you pointed, like, it's not only about you as a performer. It's about many other things that led you to perform it, that led this dance to exist, and all little consequences of your presentation at this moment. So you're like one little... Mm-hmm moment and part in the bigger thing and uh, it's really a big co- topic and it's more like yeah. philosophical discussion topic yeah which i don't even know like it, as you said it's not bla- black and white it's somewhere in between yeah and it really but it's interesting to to discuss and think about it. it's fascinating and whether or not you're doing like a pure folk pure i mean let's say a folkloric number on its own or set, or you're including it within like a norm or oriental, like, uh, uh, you know, whatever it is you're working on. I mean, there's just, there's, there's a lot to consider when you're doing it. But the main thing is that it's fascinating. It's, it's amazing when you start to discover, I mean, beyond all the shows and that's like the job part where you have to like you have a job to do in your work and your artistic work and your integrity if I can call it that um cultural work or whatever levels you want to take it to um I mean the main thing is it's like there's just so much to know and I mean we can't be experts in all of these styles obviously they'll be like but I think already if you love it if you find some style that is like calling you and you're like wow you want to be able to do it justice the most you can like and whatever that means you know um not for performance not for money not for celebrity or whatever fame and fortune 
because it's amazing in its own right. Like, and it doesn't, it doesn't need the belly dance world approval to exist. It exists because it exists within whatever culture, you know, community. If you love it, you'd want to do the best you can in a modern way, in a traditional way, whatever the way it is. But I mean, there's just, that's just, I don't know. That's my passion, Dougie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Well, I kind of feel we can talk and talk and yeah. talk. We keep talking for all these two days. And it's like philosophical like, about folklore, yeah. <laughs> we can do two parts interview. <laughs> well, it's a big topic. And, yeah. and, and the, what sadly is that in the, uh, in the dance world, it seems like it sometimes is like an extra. Like, okay, I have my oriental, like I have my thing. And then I'll learn some extra things and it's great. Um, but it is nice to have it appreciated on its own, like for what it is, like yeah. not just an extra thing. And we don't all have time and interest. I know to dive into everything, but it's, it's not extra for people like who, whose culture, like it's, it's, um, it's much more than that. And it's great to know a little bit about a lot of things that's very useful, but there's a lot to know <laughs> then. We, you and I have different regions of interest, but I think we share the certain like value, um, common thinking, um, about it. So, and I really enjoyed your workshops today. <laughs> Bye, Yana. Great workshops. <laughs> Side comment. I <laughs> uh, think. Thanks for putting it. <laughs> um, well, before we sum up our interview, uh, can you tell us people where they can find your work, where to follow you? Do you have social media, website, or any places where they can uh, find more about, about what you do? Sure. So, um, yes. So usually most of my work, uh, I, other, other goes under my own name. Or under the name of my dance company, Sana Dance, S-A-N-A-A, Dance, and we're on Facebook and all that. And usually a lot of the work goes through there. Um, and on the website as well, Sana Folklore. And um, that's pretty much it, yeah. I'm just doing my thing in my own little bubble here in Montreal. <laughs> I also know that you teach classes via Skype. Yeah, I do. I do travel sometimes to teach uh, in different places. And, um, and online too, it's a little harder, but yeah, I, I do. I'm new to that, but I'm getting into it. And, <laughs> and I love like, uh, uh, talking and dancing and sharing what my, what I know anyways. And, uh, yeah. And so for which styles dancers can reach out to you to take some classes, like we mentioned Moroccan, Algerian, yeah. Tunisian. Those are three countries that I have a like a lot of more experience in, and only certain styles. So uh, that's because they're big countries. Um, so I do several Moroccan styles, several Algerian styles, a lot of Tunisian, a lot of Khaliji, some Iraqi, <laughs> uh, and some other you know Egyptian styles and and this. But uh, mostly, I would say that mm -hmm. and. Um, those are my regions of interest that I know the most about and are more most passionate about. Particularly certain styles within that. There's a lot of styles, so it's a little hard to, like, I don't know all the styles. Um, but yes, the the North Africa is definitely 
my um in French we say coup de coeur, my um passion <laughs> the the place that hits me the hardest but uh-huh. um so I know what I know and I'm happy to share it if, if I can that's awesome from my but experience and perspective <laughs> that's awesome uh as always i'll put all links to show notes oh, uh, to you. your social media and to your troops so people can easily find and <laughs> contact uh and i always ask uh, at the end the same question like i will adapt it a little bit so it goes beyond belly dance so we'll talk more about north african uh, i'll put together middle eastern and north north mm-hmm. african so the question is What makes you fall in love with the Middle Eastern and North African dances that you keep doing them again and again, day after day, for so many years? Easy answer, music. It's always been the music, and uh, it's the only, not the only thing, but it's the... It's it's the music that draws me in. Like, that's number one. Mm. I love the movement, how it feels and how the movement fits with the music, but, and of course, traditional costuming and uh, dress and adornment. And I won't say costuming, taking that word out of my repertoire right now, but, um, uh, but it's music hundred percent. It's always been the music. If I don't feel the music that, you know, that's it. It's just the music. (laughs) It's easy. (laughs) Guys. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.